break. Been a little bit of a hiatus. Um, it's late October. It's the witching season, and we're coming off of all of our big witch episodes. Um, but we're going to change it up for you guys a little bit today. We are going to talk about ghosts. Yes. Um, and after this, we're going to a Halloween party. So um, I'm looking right. at Sherry. You are um, Lizzie. Lizzie Borden. <laughs> and I'm um, fat, um, fat Donatella <laughs> Versace. <laughs> Kind of. Like her cousin. You kind of got run over a little bit with um, her hair anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. It's it's our season. Yeah. It's nice to be here. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Um, so, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to do ghost stories with you because mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of what brought us yeah, together. exactly. Is talking about ghosts. Um, yeah. I mean, that's kind of... Um, well, you know, like how you heard me talking about like a ghost story once in a party. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, yeah, <laughs> you're a weirdo like me. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So um, that's what really got me interested in doing this podcast in the first place. The idea of um, ghosts, you know, and even though um, I did kind of have some crazy superstitious characteristics, which I now maybe attribute to like having um childhood OCD. I don't know mm. if that's a diagnosed thing, but we right. can talk about that in another episode. Well, we also like to self-diagnose yeah. <laughs> around here. I do, I do. <laughs> I'm writing a book about that with illustrations. Um, anyway, so I always love the good ghoster, and now you have as well. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to start my section of our podcast with just talking about some of the, what scientists say about why we see ghosts, because mm. um, I thought it was interesting. And then you're going to talk um, about a famous ghost story and then share right. some of our um, viewers. Our listener. Yeah. Listener stories. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, I started reading a little bit about why scientists believe people see ghosts. Mm-hmm. And my first thought was like, damn you, science. <laughs> why? You ruin it, ruin it for everybody. Why? <laughs> you know, it's like, and then I was thinking like, it must be really nice to be one of those people who don't believe in global warming because mm-hmm. then you could just like life is good. I'm not going to worry right. about it in like in a couple decades. It's all done, right? So like you know, so like I love you, science. You're great, but man, <laughs> this one was a bummer. Um, but it's what you want to believe, right? So anyway, so scientists, um, and I got a lot of this um, research um, <laughs> from Mental Floss, not oh, scientific nice. American. <laughs> Uh, sorry, again, sorry, science. Um, and then a website called The Conversation. It's just one of many. I looked at a lot of different things, and a lot of them say the same thing. But mm-hmm. so, you know, according to some a lot of research, pretty much over 40% of Americans believe in some kind of supernatural, really ghostly phenomena. Mm-hmm. And um, so, of course... Or an they, afterlife. Yeah, right. Because right. okay. um, it kind of, kind of, you know, the, I think one of our appeals about believing in ghosts is ghosts you know, well, what does that suggest about life and right. death? And, you know, um, the, you know, maybe there's a good place. Maybe there's not a, ba- a bad place, right. you know. Um, whatever. You know, and that's my favorite show. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, so one theory is they say that um, people might see these visions because of electromagnetic fields. Yeah. Explain it. So I'm just going to read this. It okay. says... Um, 
There's a scientist in Canada, and he's been studying the effects of electromagnetic fields on people's perceptions of ghosts. Mm -hmm. And he has this hypothesis that pulse magnetic fields that are imperceptible to us on a conscious level Mm -hmm. can make people feel as if there's a presence in the room Mm -hmm. with them causing unusual activity and patterns in the brain's temporal lobes, right? So that's one theory, you know, in a nutshell. But so... You know, when you see shows like yeah. Ghost Hunters mm-hmm. or like, and, and I've been on some like, you know, ghost por- paranormal yeah. ho- like excursions and you get, they give you an electric ma- mm-hmm. electromagnetic field reader and so you walk around with it and you're like taking readings and it's going back and forth and, you know, and so when it goes up high, they're saying that a ghost is present, mm-hmm. but what science is saying is that yeah, you it's just, not a ghost being pre- it's just your perception yeah, of a ghost right. because the magnetic field is affecting you is that, am I Perhaps, that right? right okay and, and you know on top of that the other theory is like we just want to believe what we want to believe mm-hmm. so you know like hey yes I, you know you know so that's just kind right. of like the most common ones like we want to believe right things, right, right right um so the next one is Infrared, um, infrasound, and mm. infrasound is about as a sound that humans can't hear, mm-hmm. um, but animals like elephants can. However, um, there are no reports of an elephant ever seeing a ghost on record. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, so you know, right? I think there's proof right there. Right. Yeah. Um, so, low frequency vibrations cause distinct phil- um, physiological um, mm. discomfort. And scientists studying that effect, um, like, you know, with wind turbines and stuff, okay, um, yeah. traffic noise near residences have found that low frequency noise can cause disorientation mm-hmm. and feelings of panic and changes in heart rate oh, wow. um, and blood pressure and other effects that could be associated with being visited by a ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, so if people who live around these particular turbines or whatever... Um, they might experience this phenomenon more than others, right. might, you know, possibility. Because it, it kind of creates this sense of yeah. anxiety just yeah, in your like, body. And, and I guess you're mm-hmm. not really, you know, it's just like, you drive by those things, you kind of hear that, right? Mm. So if it, there's a sound even lower, evidently, I guess. Oh, wow, yeah. So that's a possibility, right? Okay. Um, and then my favorite is, because I just, and we're going to talk about this a whole other episode. Okay. Because <laughs> I love this, uh-huh. um, you know, but it plays into the Netflix show, ha- um, House, ha- what is it called? Haunting ha- of Hill House. The Haunting yes. of Hill House. Right? And oh. I loved that. Yes, so you know? good. Um, so anyway, um, that's how I ended up with this look. I watched 10 episodes in a row, and now I'm like, <laughs> Donatella's fat cousin. <laughs> um, mold. 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 Black mold. Yep, black mm. mold. And so um, there's a guy, a science, an engineering professor in Clarkson University um, named Shane Rogers. And he has spent um, much time touring um, reportedly haunted locations looking for not-so-paranormal activity like mold growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so his research shows that mold can cause symptoms that sound pretty ghostly, like irrational behavior, behavior, um, um, or you know, just tox- this toxic mold is creating right. people to act out of sorts right. and so on. And that's really interesting I bring up Hill House because you know there's sort of that, that kind of plays in there very quietly and subtly mm-hmm. right like they're not trying to make a big deal of that but right. I thought it was kind of clever of the writers to kind of have that in there mm-hmm. because it is there like scientists have associated mold, mold with yeah. paranormal you know phenomena and people right. seeing ghosts um, yeah but I mean so 
nine times out of ten, there's going to be mold in an old house. Mm-hmm. So there, there's probably mold in this outfit I'm wearing right now. I, I know. I mean, there's <laughs> mold everywhere. Um, so scientists are saying that the ghostly phenomenon doesn't exist at all. It's just a byproduct of exposure to toxic mold. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perhaps, right? Perhaps, okay. yeah. Um, this was an interesting one. Carbon monoxide poisoning. Mm, yeah. Um, and so there was a study published. Um, there's this, um, in 1921, there's a doctor named W.H. Wilmer, and he published this odd story about a haunted house in um, a journal. And it's about this family who lives in this haunted residence. Mm-hmm. And Jenny's doing air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> haunted residence. Um, and they began experiencing weird phenomena. And when they when they moved into this old house and they would hear furniture moving around, strange voices in the night, the feeling um, of invisible specters. Mm-hmm. Um, and they reported being feeling the held down by ghosts in their beds uh, yeah. and feeling weak and um, and as it turned out, um, as with a little bit more investigation, they had a faulty furnace Ugh. that was filling their house with carbon monoxide. Oh, my God. And after they fixed that problem, the, all those things it all stopped, went away. You know? Interesting. Right. Um, and so that really got me, like, thinking, like, okay, like, you know, mm. you start wigging out, you know, check carbon monoxide batteries right. and little detectors. So all, like, a lot of these are being exposed to some sort of environmental mm-hmm. toxin right that's possibly messing with your system mm-hmm. and causing like auditory hallucinations visual hallucinations just like a feeling of unease in your body yeah that's interesting yeah right, like, right? and yeah. you know leave it to the scientists <laughs> <laughs> No. All right. Um, and the next one is um, sleep paralysis. Oh, which terrifies me to even think yeah, about. Yeah, I've got a story I'm going to share with you. Um, us, all of us. Okay. Oh, all, all three of us. Hi, <laughs> mom again. Yeah. <laughs> she hasn't even listened. Um, so, so when we sleep, you know, we cycle through the different stages and we start um, in that non-rapid eye movement. Mm-hmm. And then we move into a deeper sleep and um, we cycle back until we hit REM. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it, right? Yeah. REM. Um, and, during, and then during this sleep, we're most likely to have our dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like, um, you know, I so much. Um, so at this stage, we're kind of paralyzed in our sleep as well, mm-hmm. right? I think that's like just the safety mechanism so we don't act out our dreams. Right. You know, so we're kind of naturally just, you know. Yeah. But during sleep paralysis um, and into the REM sleep, um, we kind of are in this waking life. And those who experience it will feel awake. And yet they experience like dreamlike hallucinations and they struggle to move. And a lot of people in this state have had stories of visitations mm. from spirits. And I want to tell you one now that really is interesting to me. Okay. So my friend Lisa's mom passed away from cancer and it was a very grueling um, ordeal, you know, very, you know, just how it is. Right. Um, and she was just finishing, while, while her mom's dying, she's working out of school she's working on her master she's got her family mm-hmm. her life so she you know a lot of things going on and her right. mom passes away and um she um well it's creamy that's what her mom wanted mm-hmm. and so when she brings her mom's ashes home and they kind of get back to their normal life and so one night she goes to sleep and as she's sleeping she feels something take her hand and she recognizes the touch of her mother's hand oh in her gosh. hand. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, 
And then she feels her um, bed start to shake a little mm-hmm. bit. And her, you know, she's moving her body's up and down, and her mm-hmm. husband's like next to her, but he's sleeping. Right. And she looks up and she sees um, her mom, mm-hmm. and um, you know, um, and her mom looks at her, and she's like, just to look in her face, she's just like, you're, you know, you're, yes. <laughs> you're fucking up again, right? right? You oh. know, and you know, and she's like, got that look, and then her mom suddenly. She says, her mom turns into this, like, and it's kind of scary to me, like this kind of demonic, kind of gothic looking face, Uh you know? And then she moves away and she goes back into the closet, in her closet. Oh my God. And she's got this whole, this is all happened. She's like saying to her husband, like, you know, his name, like, you know, he's not stirring. She doesn't even know she's saying it, you know? To her, she's awake. This is, you know. Um, and she gets up in the morning, and she tells her husband about everything that happened. And he's like, I didn't hear any of that. Right. Um, but he's like, well, Lisa, your mom's ashes are in, in the closet. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what? And they had been doing some renovations. So when they were renovating the, ro- you know, the room that they had them in, uh-huh. he had put them in there to keep them safe. Oh, and did mama not like that? You know what I mean? Like, she's that's pissed about being put in yeah, the closet. Yeah, so took them out, and oh. you know, that was that. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, like... That experience in terms of sleep paralysis and having those kind of mm-hmm. physical sensations and those visitations right. are not unusual. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, people, that's a common experience of having these like ghostly appearances. Um, but that one just was so weird that, right. that they could, you know, whatever. Think of it what you will. <laughs> um, so, sleep paralysis is definitely one of those things that. Yeah. Um, um, Have you then, ever experienced sleep paralysis? I, no, but like after I was reading all this stuff over um what and then I was kind of bummed out. Like I'm like I love that that there's explanations that like, possible mm. explanations for it. Like, I do like that, but I also like the mystery. The let the mystery yeah. be. Mm-hmm. So to let the mystery be a little bit, I just kind of indulged in a little Reddit reading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went on Reddit love it. Yes. and I just read a, a lot of stories about paranormal experiences. Like, right. okay, these all sound crazy. Like, cool, you know, I was talking about, you know, ultrasonic test bones and yeah. blah, blah, blue, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. You know? Mold growth. And mold, and, yeah. you know? Um, so it's kind of like, okay, I can still, you know, because it's, that's the fun of it. Right. And, um, and so that's kind of another theory is like, someone tells you it's real you believe it's real you know mm. they do studies like for example if someone says i saw the, the spoon bend mm-hmm. right and that people who are in that study will say i did too but if you say i didn't then most people you know what I mean? so we kind of right. you know it's like the pack mentality yeah, right? yeah and then the other thing about scientists say about it is just like people just want to believe mm-hmm. you know and yeah. um and there's a reason there's lots yeah. of reasons X-Files. you know yeah right yeah i mean because the whole implication of it is like if you're if a spirit sticks around then it means that there's more there's something there's something we're not just you know there's there's a whole lot of things it could mean yeah um you know and it makes us you know ponder what else is out there right um whatever and that's kind of you know so reading the reddit things was kind of fun but that same night i felt had trouble sleeping Uh uh-oh and I, um, but I finally did, it was probably about 2.30 in the morning, fell asleep. And um, I wake up, because I hear a man's voice say my son's name. Uh-oh. And I wake up, and like, there's uh-huh. nobody there, you know. 
And I'm like, okay, I just totally dropped that. I, woke mm-hmm. my, I shot, I, like, I heard it in my dream. I woke up, but it was so right. real. It's like, yeah, you know, and it wasn't I know, my I've had a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, I am not reading this book before I get to bed anywhere. <laughs> so anyway, so that's science. And I, mm-hmm. you know, no offense, science. I love you. Some right. of my best friends love scientists. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, but, um, you know, and it's great. It's cool. The, the, you know, you have to have some rationale behind right. what seems, you know. I mean, I love a skeptic, too. Yeah. I, you know, and I think we've talked about this before in other episodes, just respecting a skeptic. Yeah. Um, I mean, me personally, I... I'm of the mindset of I'll pretty much believe anything until you disprove it right. to me. So I'm like open yeah. to pretty much it all. Um, even Bigfoot. And I know you hate Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> My thing about Bigfoot is like, you maybe, but I mean, unless he has a whole tribe, um, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, you never know. Maybe they live. Right. For hundreds of years, like we a, don't a parrot know. like can live for like you a know parrot, eighty yes. years. Right? <laughs> a parrot, a parrot lives for eighty years. <laughs> I'm saying, right? Um, anyway, I just first thing about that because my dad was telling me how he has a, a a cockatoo and it's like at least thirty years old now, and I'm it's like, gotta, wow, you're gonna inherit that thing. You were telling me this story, today, and I was thinking that myself. Yeah, like, I have a cat, though. That wouldn't be good, you know. Whatever, it talks. <laughs> People like, have to like write them into their wills because the they live so long. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I guess it would be me and Sherry and yes. Clarence. <laughs> he says, "Shut up." Oh my god. <laughs> Anyway, so anyway, that brings mm-hmm. me to, so we have some, you know, let's, you know, that's just some theories. And if you're mm-hmm. interested, you should look it up. It's really interesting stuff. Yeah. But I'm really interested in the mold one. The that mold one, like, I'm, I'm like, huh, well. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, hauntings in old houses. Right. And, um, it's so bad for you. Um, right. You know. And then I was also thinking, like, um, with also all our, of our witch research, <laughs> Um, one of the things that they were thinking, like some of the science behind the Salem witch trials, mm-hmm. like why the girls were reacting in such ways that, you know, they were screaming and clawing at their clothes and accusing everybody and saying, you know, unseen witches were harming them was that they were poisoned by mold that was on the oh, grain that they were yeah. making bread out of. So, Yeah. What if it's all just mold? Oh, it probably is. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so this brings us to your story. Um, and I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, so um, we were kind of just playing around a little bit about with ghosts. And so I um, wanted to kind of retell one of my favorite mm-hmm. ghost stories. Um, and... Honestly, I can't really... I don't know what about this one really captures my interest. Um, I think maybe because there is some skepticism in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of why I like it. Um, but so I first heard of this story when Discovery Channel had that really good show called A Haunting. Um and since then, there's been a major motion picture made of this story, um, and then a couple other like episodes yeah. on different you know haunted shows. Um, but so it's called "The Haunting in Connecticut," 
um, a lot. Some people may be familiar. Some people may not. Yeah, so we're going to take it back to 1986. And the Sneedecker family is a family of six, and they're looking for a new home. Um, their eldest son, who's 14 years old, his name is Philip, has just been diagnosed with cancer. And he is given a six-month prognosis unless they do some very aggressive and radical treatments. Um, So right off the bat, terrible stress, family in turmoil. Um, The family currently lives in upstate New York, and the hospital where Philip is getting these treatments is in Connecticut, and it's 300 miles away. So the mom is doing an eight-hour round trip daily for her child to get these treatments. So it's like of the utmost necessity that they move. It's just not making sense. So they're also having a hard time finding a house big enough for their family, close enough to the hospital and within their budget because they're a one income family. Um, And it's looking to be pretty impossible. Plus landlords aren't really that keen on renting a house to a family with four kids. Um, So it's, getting more stressful, you know, that she's looking for properties, mm-hmm. can't find anything. Uh, one day, she, Carmen stumbles across a large house that is under renovation, and it has a for rent sign in the window. And so she goes in, um, and she's kind of like, you know, this is never going to work. This house is huge. It's not going to be in our budget. It's like a really grand house. It's large. It has a lot of like right. ornamental work, hardwood floors, high ceilings. It's beautiful. Big open rooms, stained glass windows. It has enough bedrooms and it's close to the hospital. So she's really afraid to get her hopes up, but she goes on the tour anyway, um, gets with the realtor and is delighted to find out it's well within their budget well red flag right (laughs) and i feel like that's like the beginning of so many of these stories you know like like why is this house so cheap anything right right (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's like one of two answers haunted murder that's like me with shoes like oh that's a good price and then like a week later like oh the heels off okay (laughs) sorry not the same thing get what you pay for um so it's in within their budget. Um, they do have to wait a little bit to complete some of the renovations, okay. um, but they start to move in. Um, and so they decide that the the house has a finished basement, and they decide that that's like going to be a perfect bedroom for the two oldest boys. Um, and so they start moving in. Uh, and as the parents are moving in they discover that there is an additional room in the basement that they didn't see initially when they were like touring the house to rent it um, because they were doing all the reno work and so the parents go into the room and it's kind of strange there's old metal tools there's surgical equipment there's metal tables there's chemicals and jars and there's a very large freezer Oh, my God. So, suddenly, they realize why that rent was so cheap. It's because it was a former funeral parlor. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Which, I don't know about you, I kind of have a funeral parlor aesthetic going on in my house, so I probably (laughs) would have been psyched, but (laughs) I I don't know so much about the mortuary part, actually. So... 
they have no choice but to stay. Yeah. Because they have sunk all their money into this move. Welcome to America. Right. (laughs) And not only have they sunk all their money into the move, they have tremendous bills for treatment for their son. Yes. So they decide that they're going to just remove all the equipment, hide the stuff, and just not talk about the history of the house with their kids. Especially since Philip is in this, like, really fragile state. Like, he's, you know, he's been diagnosed with a terminal illness. So he's kind of looking at death right in the face. Right. So, um, and so from the first day, things are strange when they move in. Um, There's a story about how Carmen is mopping the floors before they're moving in the furniture. And... She's mopping, and the mop water turns, like, blood red. And instead of running and screaming like I would have done, she's concerned that she's, like, ruining the floor. She's, like, thinking, like, maybe there's some sort of, like, sealant on the floor, and I'm ruining it, and it's, like, coming up. Like, she's just not even... Well, listen, when you are vulnerable with no money... Right. Like, your first priorities like not get the hell out it's right like, oh my god i'm gonna have to pay for this exactly <laughs> and that's exactly what she said right. she was like um i'm ruining these beautiful floors this is crazy so um that's like you know there's already the red flag of right of the rent being cheap then they find all this stuff there's a so, scientific explanation for this red right <laughs> Who knows? Um, so that was there's shade signs. <laughs> <laughs> so there's always an icy chill in the air, no matter how high they turn the furnace that up. Um, the house is always cold. And then the two older older boys start reporting that they feel like they're watched when they're in their room in the basement. And then Philip starts saying that he hears someone calling his name at nighttime. And then also at that time, it becomes apparent that Philip somehow has figured out that this house was a former funeral parlor Um, and that the room next to their bedroom was the mortuary. And it doesn't really say how he found out about it. Like he just all of a sudden has this knowledge. Um, And also during this time, to add on to the stress, Alan, the dad, he's still having to work his job in New York during the week. So he's only able to, yeah, he's only able to like be with the family on weekends. So like, I mean, think about that mom. Maybe sleeping like the Willy Wonka house, like, you know, like kids had to (laughs) And so also at this time, the youngest daughter starts seeing an old lady in her room and but Carmen, she's not thinking it's paranormal. Right. She thinks it's the older boys playing tricks on their younger siblings, um, and she's like begging them not to tell the other kids about the house because um, the Philip has already told his brother that he shares the room with about what's going on. And then the shit really starts hitting the fan. <laughs> so. At night in their basement room, the boys start seeing shadowy figures moving. So in the room that was discovered, Mm -hmm. there's like glass panels looking into that room from the boys' bedroom. And they so they can see like figures moving around in this room at nighttime. And they can also hear like whispers and like people talking in this room. Um, And so then they decide like we're not going to sleep down there anymore and they start sleeping in the upstairs in the living room which is like 
probably yeah, a good idea. And then Carmen starts experiencing things like things are disappearing. Like she'll go and set the table, yeah. turn around, turn back around, and the the dishes aren't out. Like she's like, I just set the table for dinner. But you ever wonder how they work so fast? Yeah. You know, I mean, like if I, if I were like a guest, I'd probably be like, oh, here's your back's turn. I have my little plate. <laughs> oh, she's gone. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting that you don't ever see it, like, floating through the air. Yeah, Yeah. it was, like, immediately back in the cabinet. Um, So she starts noticing that. that, um, And and they're also a religious family. And so they had hung crucifixes around. And Carmen starts noticing that a lot of them are missing. And she still doesn't believe in ghosts. And she thinks that the history of the house is influencing the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's also, you know... Philip's illness is draining their resources and the stress in the house is at an all-time high. And Philip is still insisting that he's seeing figures. And at this point, his parents are starting to be concerned that his treatments are causing hallucinations or affecting his mental state. So, science. Right? They're thinking about this in more of a scientific way. Um, And so the atmosphere is like extremely intense and the parents start kind of blaming Philip for scaring his siblings, which is like terrible. It's not unusual, because it's not unusual but it's I also terrible. I story yet because it's not my story to, to tell, but the mm-hmm. best ghost story ever known, the parents totally blame the older sibling for everything that's happening to, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, but it's not, you know, so it's not right. an uncommon, like, yeah, thing, right? It's like mischievous. It's right. Like, you know. Yeah. I mean, they just don't want to... Yeah, right. They don't have any... There's no alternatives, anyhow. Well, you know? Yeah, but it's just like, you know, there's no... It doesn't happen. So, at this point, Philip starts to become more withdrawn, and he's tired of his parents not believing him. So then he decides that he's just going to confront his fears and confront this entity, and he moves back into his bedroom by himself, and he becomes increasingly isolated. Also around this time, Carmen's 17-year-old niece, Tammy, moves in with the family uh, because her parents are divorcing. So now they have five children in this house. Um, Previously, Tammy was very close with Philip. And when she moves in, she's shocked to see all these, like, changes in his behavior. Um, And Philip confides in Tammy that the entity is now visiting him every night and it is appearing in a form in the form of a man in a suit, like in an older suit. Right, makes sense. Mm-hmm. And and this entity is starting to like try to control him, and it's telling him to hurt his family and his siblings and his parents. Um. So parents still don't believe anything paranormal is happening, and at the insistence of Tammy, they take Philip to a psychiatrist who at this point believes that Philip is showing early signs of schizophrenia. So, science again. Um, but back home, meanwhile, Tammy is complaining about being touched by unseen hands while she sleeps. And the other children are still seeing figures. And Philip is still becoming growing more and more unstable, and he eventually violently attacks Tammy one night. And this results in his parents having to call the people in the white coats and they come and take him away and, and institutionalize him because he's being so violent. 
And as he's like leaving with you know, the men in white coats, he like turns around and warns his parents and says, now that I'm out of the house, it's going to turn on you. Mm-hmm. Which is like, oh. Get so, out of here. Right. <laughs> and so then Carmen is just, she's just wanting to believe that her son is not mentally ill. So she, at this point, she's like, well, maybe, maybe what he's saying is true. So she does what no one should ever do. <laughs> And she challenges the entity to show itself to her. And that is never a good idea. I don't know if you've ever watched that show, um, Ghost Adventures, Mm -hmm. where they go and they, like, try to provoke things and entities. And then, you know, they end up getting attacked and, like, things are scratching them. And, like... Sounds like being a teacher. (laughs) Don't... Don't provoke. Don't provoke. Don't Don't poke the beast. Don't... So Carmen starts challenging the entity. And that night, it's just like all hell breaks loose. Oh, God. So Tammy's blankets are ripped off of her. And she's been she's taken to wearing like a crucifix around her neck. And it's ripped off of her neck. And like the beads go scattering everywhere. Carmen is attacked by an unseen force in while she's in the shower. This is so terrifying to oh, me. Okay. So she's like in the shower. And all of a sudden, the shower curtain is like smothering her like you know wrapped around her and she can't breathe and so like one of her children has to come and like cut her out of the shower curtain which is horrifying and at the same time alan is driving back to new york to go start his work week after having to just institutionalize his child He's now driving 300 miles. And whatever is in the house followed him, oh too. Oh, my God. And so he gets to work and goes into the office. And his truck, which is parked outside the office, turns on and runs into the office. So this is all happening at the same time. The phones all start ringing. There's, like, laughter on the other end and then hanging up. And then all the remaining crucifixes in the house are, like, ripped from the wall and thrown on the ground. And then this is the creepiest thing part to me. So the, uh, the younger children start hearing their brother calling to them from the basement. No. Yeah, right? Like, and he's not there. He's in the hospital. Like, that's just, like, it's mimicking. Oh, right. that, like, really gives, that really bothers me. And so... Here come into the picture Ed and Lorraine Warren. Have you heard of them? Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So um, they're movies. Right? Yes, they're like the famous demonologists. And uh, uh, Lorraine is. Okay. She's pretty elderly. Ed died. I, he died a while ago. Okay. I think. He, I think he was like in his late sixties, early seventies. Um, so you know they. You may know them from the movie The Conjuring. Well, that's what I know. Right? <laughs> um, but they are... They're I'm like, I'm just... <laughs> but they also I'm were... i your coattails here. <laughs> they were involved with the Amityville mm-hmm. okay. horror. Yep. That was, to um, me, the scariest movie of my childhood. More so than The Poltergeist. Oh, okay. I mean, Poltergeist wasn't that scary to me as a kid. It was just the movie I kept watching and watching. And, right. You know, but that movie... Well, because there was the kernel of truth about it. It was terrifying to me. Right. So they were involved in that. 
And um, somehow Carmen gets in touch with them and they agree to come and check out their house. And so Ed and Lorraine determined the house is, in their words, infested. Ew. I know. Isn't that such a gross, like, terminology? It's infested. And it needs an exorcism. But, like, this exorcism is beyond their expertise and it needs to be done by a Catholic priest. So here, I know. You know uh, I mean, Remember, yeah, yeah. we've we've had this conversation yes. before. I'm like, it's always the Catholics. Um, but the Catholic Church has to be convinced that it's warranted. So they, the Warrens, commit to doing research to try to convince the Catholic Church that yes, there is there is a d- demonic entity here. So. They bring in a paranormal researcher and they all like live in the house for nine weeks. And they're all like living in like one room together because the the Warrens are like, if you do not be alone because you're going to get attacked if you're alone. Like it's like, you know, it's no bullshit. It's full tilt boogie in this house right now. So everybody. Do they get the kids out of the house? No. They, They don't have anywhere to go. Okay. They're all in the house still. Everybody except for Philip. And he's just like, Phew. Right. Yeah. Well, what he said was true, though. Yeah. Because they're like, it's yeah. it's on. So if anybody is alone at any time, then they are, they are attacked. And it, do, it does happen. And, and this includes the researcher. And he saw a full-form entity. And he was so frightened by it. And this is a seasoned paranormal mm-hmm. researcher. He left in the middle and never came back. And did not continue on with any more paranormal researching. The, um, the red button. Oh, he's done. We got one here. Yep. Send the team. I'm out. <laughs> so finally, the Catholic Church is convinced by all of this evidence that they should then come and investigate to see if they need an exorcism. And um, one of the things I thought was kind of interesting was uh, in this like pseudo documentary about this story, uh, they were talking about how um, in all of the aspects of like being a priest within the Catholic Church, um, you're always asked to believe without a doubt, mm-hmm. except for this one right. thing. Like the, like the people who work with exorcisms are challenged to be skeptics right. from the get-go. Like, you are not to believe these people when they're telling you, like... Why do you think that is? I don't know. I mean, you know, like, that's interesting. Right. I need to ponder that for a while. They're being told, yeah. like, they, the, the priests that are coming to help these people with their it, demonic infestations are coming from a place of skepti- skepticism, and they're doing their absolute best to prove them wrong. They usually just come off the Lysol and the sponge. Get this <laughs> right, mold, get the mold out. The right. um, Again, well, they're yeah. in the basement. I'm right. sure there was mold. Yeah, but, right. You know, but it's interesting to me, though, like, you know, I mean, it's cool that there's, like, that level of skepticism, but you mm-hmm. almost would, like, think, like, it jump on that because that is sort of, like, validating this whole life after death. Right. They, yeah. You know, like, right. Um, right. That everyone has to have faith on, right? Yeah. And I know. I found this ex- yeah. very compelling that that's how they approach yeah. it. Like, yeah. the the priest who's going to be doing the exorcism has to be 
can like his belief system has to be totally in opposition to everybody else's i don't know it's just yeah, it's really okay. interesting it is interesting okay. so then you know after he's there for a while he is then convinced that there is a demonic possession happening there and so he's not necessarily ed and lorraine and also the catholic priest are not saying that uh philip is possessed they're saying that the house is possessed so it needs to be exercised so once he's convinced of this uh the priest then blesses the house and during the blessing the entity just like ratches it up beyond belief and starts like breaking things choking people lifting them off the ground and the whole time they have to just ignore it while like the priest is like chanting and blessing and praying and all they can do is pray meanwhile like i mean i i don't know if i could just sit there and, pray. and it's like you can't leave like you have to stay in there right, right. um and then suddenly the house goes quiet and everybody feels comfortable and free and the priest is like oh it's gone now after all of that which is like part of me like the skeptic in me goes i wonder if they just opened a ton of windows and like aired the mold out or something or like you know or or it was like he like broke the spell uh, that everybody was under in a way or something i don't know but um so shortly after the exorcism the family moves out and coincidentally the warrens write another book um and then there are several tv shows made and a movie made um so here's where the skeptic skepticism comes in is is this kind of like an amityville horror situation where these people knowingly moved into this house and their child started showing some symptoms of schizophrenia and they saw this as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, are there any pictures? Is, is there any documentation? Is there any evidence other than word? It seems like, I, I don't know. Like, I didn't see anything right. and in all my story? searching. Like, I don't know much about the Warrens. That could be an interesting Oh, yeah. Episode. They're fascinating. Um, you know, like, what do we know about them? And, you know... Um, I mean, they're involved in a lot of, like, very high-profile hauntings, possessions, right. things like that. Um, and, yes, they've made money off of that, and they've profited off of it. But why shouldn't they? Right. You know, like, one part of me is oh, like, sure. they're doing yeah. what they know right. how to I do. Mean, look, we have a whole podcast of um, just because it's interesting, right? Right. You know, so why people are interested. Yes. Because, you know, we, what is the age-old question, you know? What happens to us when we die? I wonder, where are the kids now? How old are they? Are alive? Are they? Well, so here, so, um, so they move out. Um, Philip is released from the psych ward uh, shortly after they move out of that house, and he doesn't have another mental episode again. Um, and his cancer is in remission until 2012, and then that's when he dies. So he, how old would he would have been? Do you think? Um. So this was. 1986 and he was 14 he survived till 2012 okay so math that's not my 
The parents eventually divorce. Um, and I'm just in she's other... just mad. She's like, I didn't know you were working and right. the family, but you we left me here. Shit. Right. You got to go. <laughs> I knew you had that one night. With the, the one night with the truck running in the yeah. yeah. Um, still. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Yeah, okay. Right. That is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Because that story is, um, I've never seen any of the film versions of that mm-hmm. story, but I definitely know. Yeah. So there's a couple TV shows, and then there was a movie, for a feature-length film, and it had uh, Virginia Madsen in okay. it. She was the mom playing Carmen. Um, and that came out, I want to say, like, 2010 or something around there. Um, and I watched it. You know, it was... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I like... I like these stories that have a, like... a a kernel of truth like right. you can like go and like search and like look right and see like oh these people yeah. existed they actually lived there da, da, you know um but then i also like i the skeptic in me likes hearing the other side of like well was this a case of like you know this this child was mentally ill right. or this family was so stressed right. i mean Oh, think about how it. stressful that situation is. Yeah, I mean, it stress, could have just manifested stress, itself yeah. just from the sheer and also like stress. remember um, we someone else says it's real. So you're a child, mm-hmm. you find out your bedroom's next to a former um, right mortuary, and um, you know your imagination goes well. Why right. wouldn't it? You know. Yeah. Yeah. So part of the controversy though is that um, some people say that. Uh, the family knew very knew very well that it had been an old okay funeral home. The family claims that they did not know. Well, I think how that's interesting because how it would be their word against the realtor's word, right? Right. And you know, unless you're suing the realtor, which mm. you really wouldn't have any merit. You know, right. it's like you know, like it's just it's it's a similar thing to like the Amityville horror, right. where the family that moved in after the family who was murdered in the house, they they knew about they, it. They knew. And they, they did, yes. Okay. And they didn't last, they lasted like a couple weeks in the house. Um, but then that whole thing turned out to be a total publicity stunt so that the author could write that book. They were all in cahoots with each other. So... People wonder if this isn't the same thing, mm. and especially since the Warrens were involved in both oh, cases. Yeah. yeah. So what did the Warrens say? Because they didn't write the book. Mm-mm. They didn't become famous until. Did they ever write a book? They've. I. I. I don't know. I think they have written their okay. own books. I have to look them up a little bit okay. more. Um, they definitely like consult on. Right. Everything. They're kind of like the, they're like the Kim Kardashian and Kanye West of the paranormal world. So the takeaway from this story is, was this a true haunting? Mm -hmm. Was it a case of mental illness? Was it a case of like just an extremely fractured, stressed family? Um, Or was it a total hoax to get money? And as far as we know, this building, is it still standing? I think it is, yes. And is it lived in? Is it... 
I think it is lived in. And I think like the next owners are like, we've never had any problems here whatsoever. So, and that's, and what's interesting about that is like this owners that own that Amityville house say the same things. And a couple other houses that were like big, you know, haunted houses, like the next owners are all like, like our favorite one that we, yes, the evergreen house that we will have to get into. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Another Um, time. (laughs) I know. So I want to tell people about them, like, like, you know, kids and I'm like, no, I don't want the the house. They're like, why are all these teenagers sitting around? Yeah. Um, But it's so interesting. So we had some people. Type in some stories. I put out a a call for people's favorite ghost stories, either true or literary. Um, and I got two back that um, were actual stories that actually happened to the writers. Um, and so I'm just going to read their, their emails. Um, and I'm not going to say their names or identify identifying factors. So, um, so this one was, um, starts, uh, it starts with, I grew up in a house with a lot of strange occurrences. We would regularly hear people walking around upstairs or on the stairway. I woke up one night to see a man standing by my bed. At first I thought it was my dad, but then I could hear my dad's voice downstairs. And then the man's figure gradually faded away. A friend of my sister saw the figure of a man in the upstairs hallway, and he was so shaken, he never set foot in our house again. Then when we were selling the house, on the last night I stayed there, my friend went downstairs to get a glass of water and saw the hazy figure of a man in the living room. And she thought to herself, well, I don't believe in ghosts. And she walked straight through it. Wow. (laughs) And like my friend, I don't really believe in ghosts either but I don't have a rational explanation for the occurrences. And so I don't think she felt anything. And she's a pretty no nonsense person, which is why I was surprised at her story. And she said that the, sh- the, the figure was very faded, just like a shadowy person. And it wasn't substantial enough to be mistaken for an actual person. And so then she, we kind of went back and forth because I was asking her a couple questions. And because um, I had asked, like, you know, weren't my immediate go to to a situation of seeing a figure in the living room would be that someone had broken in my house. Right, right. <laughs> and I am not going to, like, go towards that person. And so it was just super interesting to me that, like, the friend was like, I don't believe in ghosts. So I'm just going to, like, walk through this I'm taking right I'm in control right that's exactly what this this one was thinking and so I actually asked I was like did she feel it like did it feel like anything and she said no it didn't it didn't feel like anything so but anyhow so she said then there was another occurrence um that used to happen on and off and this one actually freaked me out more and she said so for a while for several months at least I would be lying in bed and I would feel a cat jump up on the bed and curl up behind me, behind my back. It wasn't just, it wasn't exactly touching me, but it was very close. And I would reach behind myself to pet the cat and then there was nothing there. And it was absolutely terrifying because it was so real. And so I asked her at that point, I said, did you um, have a cat? <laughs> oh, yeah. I said, did you have a cat? Do you, or is this a spirit of a cat that's passed on? Yeah. And she said, yeah, we had cats, but they didn't, they, they weren't the, they weren't like cats that came and like got yeah, in bed yeah. with you. Yeah. Um, and she also said it was, it was 
because I asked, I said, why was that more frightening than seeing a figure? Right. And she was like, because it was like touching her. Right. Right. It was like a sensory experience. And so that made it much more real. Because she said that the other ones, when she saw like a figure, when she was like sleeping and there was a figure beside the bed, she wrote it off as like sleep paralysis or like part of a dream or whatever. She said this cat experience was like, she was fully awake. There was no, there was no mistaking it, which I thought was really kind of interesting. Coming from a person who's like, I don't believe in ghosts. Right. And so another one um, that I had was... um, I had asked, you know, what are your favorite ghost stories? And this person wrote, um, the ghosts that appeared in two of my dwellings are my favorite story. Um, and the story in each case is that I saw them at all. Prior to seeing my first ghost, I was neither a believer nor a non-believer in ghosts. I say this to let you know, I was never invested in the idea that ghosts existed. Right, whatever. Right. right. So I was never on the lookout for them. Which is interesting to me. Because I'm always on the lookout for them. I'm not. (laughs) So this person's like, I just wasn't looking. And so, and then one day a ghost floated through the wall and into the middle of my room before dissipating. And as sure as I can see the keyboard at my fingertips now, I saw that ghost. And I saw another one in another apartment. And that is all I have to say. (laughs) What what did it look like? Was it a face? Was it a like... Because when you say that, I'm thinking... As stupid as it sounds, white sheet. Right. <laughs> you know? I mean... And uh, I'm just kind of curious, like, what was... I think what, it said it dissipated. You know, what floated the, through the wall into the middle of the room yeah, and dissipated. Interesting. interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you for sending those in. I know. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So, I we... Mean, I, I, I mean, I feel like when I hear a story from skeptics, mm-hmm. like, you know... That makes that's the ones that make my, mm-hmm. you know, that how you have that thrill that you know that sensation about right. it, you know because it's like well these you know these are people who are not like you know buying in you right. know, they're not you know they're not invested in the the story of it you know yeah not trying to make a dime off of yeah it. and both of these are like I yeah I don't believe but I'm gonna tell you what happened which I I, I love that I do too yeah and I especially love the um the cat story. There's something about that that is like really like sweet and charming, but also a little bit unnerving because she's like, I've never had cats that did that. It's yeah. like, so who well, right. who's now, that? Now I'm reading the whole right. conversation like haunted ghosts, right. uh, but animals. <laughs> well, it's crazy because like, and we know for a fact that an elephant has never reported a ghost sighting. So uh, I think the closest that I have to any kind of paranormal thing that I've experienced in this house, um, aside from my son telling me that he's seen things, but I haven't seen it was shortly after, um, my dog Coco died. I was in the upstairs and I heard the distinct sound of dog toenails going down the hardwood floor of the hallway. Like there's no other sound that makes that like it was so obvious and i heard it on several occasions and we didn't have any dogs then because they died right and i heard it and what was kind of crazy was that um when uh both of our dogs died they couldn't walk so i kind of felt like it was this 
like sign of like oh we're okay now yeah, yeah like I'm walking yeah, again dog heaven. yeah and so it felt good it wasn't scary and I mean maybe it's my own thing to tell myself you do love dogs I know <laughs> <laughs> but it, no it just it felt good and it wasn't scary and yeah. it was it was like a nice experience but it, that reminds me of like the cat one like it was just like so on yes. that note send us your stories please Tell us your stories. I really send them. We'll read them. We'll use on... funny voices. We won't. We won't use your Name. identifying yeah. information. Only if you want us to. Um, we take everything seriously. I know it doesn't seem like it. I know. I know. <laughs> but you can send your stories to very superstitious pod at gmail.com. and you can also find us on Twitter and also on Instagram. And we love the Instagram so you know contact us contact us there we like to post funny things we like to post um when our new episodes are coming out um so yeah get in touch and remember we we don't don't know know. (laughs) i'm still going for what was my other one um beware or oh yeah beware or bewitched (laughs) and i would always throw in a bee